This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Hey, Jen. Hey, Em. Welcome to Shrink Chicks, everyone. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. How are you doing today? I'm How doing is your good. mental health today? <laughs> My mental health, pretty solid today. I'm having a little bit of anxiety because I can hear the puppy in her crate downstairs. And I'm not moving around. I don't know how she's so sneaky. She knows that I'm here. When we're gone, she's perfect to us find the crate. But right now, she's uh, like, Mama, I know you're home. Dogs Get are me incredible. Out. They sense things. They know when yep. you're upset. Yes. They're really amazing. Just know, fascinating. But they're good for your mental health. They're good for your mental health. Or bitch. if your partner has mental health issues. There it is. <laughs> the tie-in. The tie-in. What to do when you have a partner, a family, friends, anyone that you're a little worried about their mental health. One of the number one questions we get asked is, how do I get so-and-so to go to therapy? Mm -hmm. And so, although we can't make other people do it, we're going to talk a little bit about how to handle these situations. And let us just say, it can be really hard for someone, especially someone who is like so into mental health. And if you're listening to this podcast, my assumption is that that's something that you're interested in, something you do a lot of work around. And, and, so, and people in your life don't. And people in your life don't, right? And so you're, you're controlling the, what you have control of, which is listening to this podcast and maybe going to therapy yourself. I, I think it can be really hard when you're doing so much work around your mental health and you see the benefit of it, like you see how much it's changed your life. 
how your relationships have changed. And then you see other people in your life who maybe haven't done that work. It can be very frustrating, hard, upsetting, difficult to handle. And so we wanted to talk about that today because I think it's something that is like very common. Yeah. It is. We all deal with it in different ways. So let's talk about it by starting to go through some of the questions we have today to sort of navigate our conversation here. Yes, love it. Because here's one of, like I said, top question we get. How to suggest therapy to someone who's not willing to try? You could suggest therapy as much as you want. If the person is unwilling to try, there's nothing you can really do. But what you can say is... I need you to get help for our relationship. I'll go with you. I'll help you find someone. I am worried about you, right? Like we, ha- we have different control in different relationships. In a, in a relationship with our parents, we can set a boundary. I can't come home in the evenings, right? I can't come home when you're escalated. I can't come home when you drank, blah, blah. Here's all these things we can do. When it's someone in our life, let's say someone we live with, a roommate or partner, I can't keep doing this unless we figure out a different way to function. Right. So the boundary you set and the communication is going to be really different in different relationships. If your boss does not take care of their mental health at all, you're going to be real fucking limited. Different conversation you're having there. <laughs> maybe none at all. <laughs> maybe, maybe not at all. Right. Maybe that's just a new job. Can you imagine being able to have a conversation with your boss about their mental health? I hope that our clinicians, if we, if either of us are losing our minds. <laughs> I hope that our clinicians can come to us and say, listen, we're worried about this. Even if there's something we miss, right? Like it doesn't have to be like it's like this like extreme thing. But like if we do anything, you know, people have blind spots all the time. And that's the thing is like sometimes you don't know. Like I will say this. I do this as a job, right? And like when I especially postpartum, I didn't realize how bad it was until I was out of it. So there is a lot of times that you cannot see what you're in. It doesn't mean people are necessarily resisting, but it's really hard when looking at something means you're going to have to change something. And I was in such survival mode at the time. I, I don't think that even if someone came to me and said it, I may, I would hope I would have heard them. And I can't necessarily guarantee I would have. I think I would have just said, this is just hormones. This is just baby blues. And I think that that's a piece of it, too, right? Like that we go to someone when we're in a different state of mind than the state of mind that they are in. And we mm-hmm. almost expect them to be able to see our perspective from like where we are. But when you're like in the thick of depression, it's much harder to be able to see things clearly, right? Yeah. To be able to say like, yeah, oh, I should get help for this or I should. And so the tough thing about depression is that it does create kind of this veil and a challenge to be able to see that like this might be helpful, right? When you're in that place, you're like, well, no one's going to understand this, right? Like, why would I go get help? So especially if you've never experienced depression before, you've never experienced that, it's hard to really, you know, understand what that the place that that person might be in. I think we're so quick also for someone to, and listen, I'm guilty of this, for someone who like really believes in therapy, obviously, really believe in therapy, (laughs) like strong supporter of therapy, that we jump right into like, well, you should go talk to someone, right? Like jump right into therapy. As opposed to like, maybe there are some other things that might be helpful for their mental health that they're more open to doing or more willing to do that might ease them towards taking care of themselves that maybe isn't at the time going to therapy. Yeah. 
therapy might be a big jump. Huge. Huge. I'm sorry I interrupted you when you were talking about the boss situation. It just... <laughs> I loved made, it. It made me, made me think. I don't think you did. No, right? But I, I think... I love what you're saying of like, sometimes there's an ease in. Sometimes we're in a different place. And... Although I wish that we all grew up in families and cultures that normalize therapy, it's simply just not true. It's not. And also to say that therapy has not done harm to many people is also not true. Many people do not go to therapy because they had really horrific experiences with therapy or know people that had horrific experiences with therapy or had some type of trauma Let's say um, your roommate, when they were younger, went to the school counselor to talk about stuff at home. The school counselor reported them to C- to CPS. And then, right, like, and then there's a fear if I tell anyone. These are very, very real things that happen because of the system. And so we're not here to place judgment on, like, I'm better because I go to therapy, right? Like, it's here to have, have, figure out how to navigate what works and how to best help people in our community, right? So... The question was, how do you suggest therapy to someone who's not willing to try? What's your script, Jen? I mean, I think just starting with the idea of like they're not willing to try. That one, as I said, I you know whether it's therapy or something else, to be able to say something like, "Hey, I understand that you know you don't want to jump into therapy. I completely understand that. Is there anything else we can talk about that might be more helpful for your mental health? Something that is there? Like, can we brainstorm what what can we do together?" that might help pull you out of this or take care of you in some way. And then you can slowly ease the idea in about therapy. I don't think it's something when you push something on someone, they're more likely to go in the opposite direction. Nobody right? likes that. No. They're like, I just want to make this decision do this. for myself. Yeah, right. You need to do this. I'll be like, fuck I do. Right. And I think you can say something like, right. You can say something like, I really care about you and I really care about our relationship. And I love you and I see you're struggling. I understand that you don't want to go into therapy. I respect that. Can we talk about like some other options? Like, what are you open to? Like, because I see how hard this is for you and I want to help you in some way. I want to help support you. And so how can I help support you in doing that? It might be the case that they're not willing to go to therapy right now. They might be willing to go to therapy in the future. We have to allow people to do things in their own time. And once again, I am guilty of this. Mm, tell us. Tell us your guilt. Well, I just, I so believe in therapy so much. My husband's family, for example, I really infiltrated their family with therapy. I was just like, everyone needs to go, right? It's the best. So how many of them went? <laughs> What's, what was the data that came out of that? I think, but I think I'm like slowly getting there. I've been okay. in the family for maybe like eight years now. So I'm slowly <laughs> getting people there. So that's what I mean about slowly. People yes. think, okay, I think that that is really important to say. Eight it's years. been eight years. <laughs> People think, I mean, two weeks. <laughs> when we talk about patience and relationships, I don't mean two weeks, baby. <laughs> we mean years. I mean, shit takes time. And you're also allowed to say, you know what? That doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me to wait eight years, right? In other relationships, I'm like, baby, I got my whole life. Let's do it. Patient lady. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's a piece of it is like to be patient. And also, while you're suggesting something, understand that not 
they're not going to come from the same position as you. They don't have the same experience with therapy. And so you can talk about your experience, but also be understanding that maybe they are not as open to that experience Mm -hmm. and that that's okay. So that there are other options, right? Like what are other options? Let's talk about that. Let's brainstorm. What do you think? Do you have any any scripts for that? So mine would be, mine is that people tend to do stuff in community more, right? So I'm going to offer to go with you. I'm going to offer for us to go together. I'm going to offer to help you find someone. Those are things that I'm going to do. That doesn't work for everyone, um, but that's what works for me. And so when you say, how do you suggest therapy as someone who's not willing to try I think I would say, you know what? I think you're going to totally knock down my request. I think there's no chance you're going to do this. And still, I'm going to say it and put it on the record. I want you to go to therapy. I want you to talk to someone. I want you to get every support because you deserve it, not because you're in trouble. And I would repeat that every single day. I know you don't want to hear it again. It's a Tuesday, but guess what? I'll say it on Wednesday and Thursday too, baby. I hope you do this. But but the generosity, the softness and the compassion, eventually they're going to be like, Jesus fucking Christ. Or at least I'm going to know, here's what I did. I'm never going to leave and say, I wish I did something different. I wish I brought that up more. I'm not going to do it out of rage. I'm not going to use it to punish them. Well, you should be in fucking therapy. And I'm saying I'm not going to do that because I've done that in the past. Doesn't work well. Doesn't work. Found that out. <laughs> also, then it becomes if if that becomes part of the script, then anytime you are suggesting therapy for real without using it as like a a, a weapon, then they're going to see it as a weapon. Right. Exactly. It starts to be it starts to fall into that category. So you really got to be careful about the way you talk about therapy as opposed to like, well, you got to get it together. Like you need to go see someone. Yep. Mm hmm. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I have felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. 
Prose is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil, keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is, of course, the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty-free and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I used this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post-construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that Pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks. Okay, so how to deal with a mom who is in denial about being an alcoholic and she's your bestie? Well, one, I would say, are you also in denial? You can write that in, but if she's your bestie, if she's that important, what are the relationship changes you also have to make? I'm really concerned about your drinking, and because of that, I'm not going to drink with you. I'm really concerned about this. Could we go together? Hey, maybe I'm fucking wrong. Maybe I am dead wrong and I'm happy to be dead wrong if possible. But could there be something going on with your drinking? Hey, could we try not drinking together? I want to do this for me. We, can we do it together? Can we take a month off from drinking? And I think you can talk about, too, how it might be affecting your relationship with each other, right? You have a really close relationship. It's going to be important to talk about how the alcoholism is mm-hmm. affecting your relationship. Right. So that might be something like saying, mom, I realized that on Thursday when you go to your bowling league and you drink, I'm really nervous about you driving home. I find myself that I'm not able to sleep at night because I'm thinking about you. I find that I have to check in on you. Here are the things that start to come up to me related to this part of you. Yeah. I mean, once again, I want to just like I'm probably going to say this the entire episode. It's just this is hard. This is a hard topic. It's a really hard topic because, you know, when when someone is so resistant and we care about them so much and we love them, we we see such potential in them taking care of themselves and being a better version of themselves. And we want to move them towards that because we care about them so much. So I just want to like reiterate the fact that everyone who's like listening to this, writing this in, you very clearly care so much and so deeply about these relationships. And I think that that's just incredible and important. So um, I really I want to talk about this one. I think this one is very, very important, which is sibling casually mentioned suicidal ideations, but says she's doing fine. How to not freak out. So one, I think we have to talk about that. Unfortunately, suicidal ideation has become like trendy and very casual. I said unfortunately, but maybe I don't want to put a stigma on that. Maybe like it just is and like whatever. It doesn't matter either way. Mm -hmm. It's just part of our culture and like Mm -hmm. we just have to adapt. So I would say to her, you know, when you do that, I internally find myself freaking out. How would I know if you weren't fine? Can we have some code word if it was more? I can commit to not freaking out when you make a joke if you can commit to being honest when it's deeper. How would you know and how would I know? 
and have like a conversation and be honest about what it does to you. Don't use you language, but I language. I realize that when you make a joke like that, I spend the next 30 minutes having an internal panic attack about what I should be saying and doing. So I'll commit to regulating myself with your humor if you commit to being honest and figuring out how do we say. I also wonder if there's you know, if if there's something in this relationship with your sibling that has happened in the past, right? Like, is, has there been consistent mental health struggles, right? Is this history of know, self-harm, eating disorder? Something, right, and, yeah. right. Like, there's something that has been there. There's a reason to take it more seriously, right? So I would yeah. also wonder, like, is there some stuff from the past in your relationship with your sibling that you're still trying to process through? Or just or relationship with anyone. I wish with I did anyone. something different. Or there was this kid I sat next to in math that something happened with. Yeah. Right. Or were you expected to take care of your sibling? Right. Like how much emphasis was your role in your relationship with your sibling and your family dynamic if they were really struggling with something? So I would also start to look at like what was your role? What role did you play in your relationship with your sibling? And what did that look like? Is that something you want to work on as your sibling gets better? If they are getting better, how can you work on that role and learn how to to take care of yourself and say, well, where... How do I want our relationship to shift at this point? Mm-hmm. So that would be mm-hmm. another question I have for them. How to not take needing space to work on themselves personally. Oof. I have something that no one wants to hear. Say it. Now you what have to if, say it. What if it is personal? What if they need mm-hmm. a break from you? What would that mean? It's a very real thing. Mm-hmm. Let's give an example, right? If I said that to you. If you said that, let's, well, let's do this. Let's say, here's what I hear about. I'm struggling with fertility. All of a sudden you get pregnant and I'm like, I need a break. It's not necessarily personal to you, but there's something with you Mm -hmm. that provokes it within me. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. when we talk about this idea of not taking it personally, you might have to say like, okay, this is more to do with her struggle with fertility than it does with me as a human. It doesn't say anything about my worth. And but it does mean that something about me is, you know, triggering and I should and how should I handle that as well? And and I think that another thing that, you know, no one wants to hear is that there are times in our lives where we outgrow one another, too. And that can be really, really hard to hear. And you might get to a place in your relationships, your friendships, where you might be at different places. Like the fertility example is a perfect example of it might create a little bit of separation in your relationship or I don't know, I'm trying to think of other ones, but like, but you might be in different places. And because of that, I I lost my job and you just told me that you got a huge promotion. Exactly. Another example. Right. Or the things that you used to do together are no longer, uh, you know, a piece of your relationship anymore. I'm a sober person and we used to drink every, we exactly. used to drink every Thursday. Oh, you're, you're so good with examples. I, I, you know I'm good at examples, throw them out. You're I can the see best. you doing it. You're so good at it. And so my first thought would be, how can you, like, what's coming up for you, right? What is it, what feels personal about it, right? What kind of relationship did you have with this person? But I think the fact of the matter is this person is setting a very clear boundary, right? They are saying, I need some space to work on myself. 
And that in and of itself is a healthy thing to do. It right? is. They're being very communicative about the fact that they do need boundaries. And, and you'll that, probably still need to regulate yourself. Yes. Because also if that wasn't present in your relationship before, right? This is new and this might feel like a rejection for you. So your ability to regulate and work through that feeling of rejection is going to be really important in this. So it might feel personal and you can work through that for yourself, right? Before we started recording, I got in this call and what did I say? Do you remember? I, so, I can maybe only record one. <laughs> I said, I want to be done, right? We have plans to record too. I said, I want to be done by two o'clock. I want to go on a hike with my family. Did I say to you, fuck you, Jen. I don't want to be near you for one goddamn second. <laughs> If you did, I'd be like, okay, you, you take your time. <laughs> clearly something's yeah, you going would, on. Yeah, you would. You would. Clearly, clearly something's going on with you. <laughs> Maybe you have some things to process. But right because I, but I set, I set a boundary. Yeah. That boundary affected you. Also, we will only get one done. You're acting like I want to record like a million today. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, uh, you think I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm, this is the example, bro. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm not God, asking how about terrible. real life Jen. I'm asking about the therapeutic process. Real life Jen is like, oh, my God, maybe this person's going to cancel and we wanted to record today. <laughs> but I'm saying, right, I set a boundary that affected you and your plans in your day. Totally. Right. Yeah, really, really. I'm really upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> really affected me. I need you to pretend to be for this. Sorry. Example. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, okay. I'm back. What could, <laughs> what could have possibly? Okay. So so I had planned to do this recording, and I I am really specific about my plans, and I make plans, and I'm really rigid about them. <laughs> <laughs> And so you're affecting this, this, the rest this of is my garbage. day. <laughs> this example has gone to shit. Okay. No, like, I hear you. Two I minutes hear ago, you're so good at examples. I know. <laughs> no, no, I'm screwing it up. And so, okay, I could have been like, hey, I planned on recording today. We're going to have to record on another day now. And because of that, I'm really upset. <laughs> I'm taking it personally because yeah. you don't care about me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take it seriously. Yeah, no. <laughs> so you could have felt any of these ways, right? Yes. You could have felt rejected, abandoned, annoyed, frustrated, angry, any of those things. And it still doesn't make the boundary I set wrong. Hey, I want to be done. I need some time with my family. It's pro how many more beautiful days are we going to have? <laughs> we live in Pennsylvania. Um, I got to get outside, right? Like, yes. People are allowed to be mad at you for setting those things and you're still allowed to set them. So when you say you could have taken it personally or could have said, guess Emily really needs the rest of the afternoon off. So let's say I take it personally, right? If I'm like, oh, God, she she I'm angry. She doesn't care about me. Right. That would be something for me to process through. Yeah. Like, OK, how am I going to take care of myself in these moments? What am I going to be? How can I adjust? Right. How can I adjust to this? We are Emily and I are in a partnership. <laughs> yeah. And that's every relationship. Right. Yep. You can look at it as a partnership. When you're in a partnership, you have to be respectful of someone else's boundaries and what feels right for them, because without that respect, there is no healthy partnership. Now, Jen could say, you want to know what? This is the 80th time Emily has done this. This is not working for me anymore. 
I have to take a break for the podcast, stop the podcast, et cetera, et cetera, any of these things. And she gets to do that. I guess right? make that choice. Gets to make that choice. So you are right. So we need to respect people. We can still be honest and direct in relationships and still respect. So if someone says no, that's it. Right. Like I would get to set a boundary if I'm going through. I'm like, listen, this has been happening. This is really hard for me to continue to adjust my schedule over and over again. And so I need to set a boundary now of like what works for me. And that's a partnership, right? Both people are able to set their boundaries, they're able to communicate their boundaries, and you work with them, right? Mm -hmm. You can say, I respect you. I love you. I want you to go on a hike with your family. I'm a little jealous. I wish (laughs) I could go on a hike. (laughs) You can. I know. <laughs> you won't, but you can. I won't, but I can. <laughs> I'm wearing really big boots today. And like when I move my legs, it hurts my hips. Do you want to see them? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> oh my God, are those new? Yeah. Yeah, where'd you get those? Doc Martens. I was going to say they look like Docs. Uh, is that your first pair of Docs? Yeah, they dig yeah, into my ankles. You're new. You're a Doc girl now. I'm a newbie. Well, you have always wanted to be emo, so this works out well for you. Okay. So bad. I'm emo inside. Here's a really, really good question. I like this because it goes off what we just talked about. How to support them when they want space, but you're worried they're isolating themselves. Ooh. Mm. So you're saying, right, like, I want to respect this and there's concern. And I think that's the language you use to them. I want to respect you and give you space. And and I'm worried you're isolating. And how how would we know if, you know, this wasn't working? And I think you can say, too, hey. I respect the fact that you're isolating and that that's important for you. I'm going to keep reaching out periodically and you can take it if you want it. If not, you can, you know, continue to um, take time to yourself. Like for me, I am someone when I am struggling with something that like isolating actually is pretty helpful for me. And it's not for everyone. It's something Mm -hmm. that people go into and then it takes them into a dark hole. That is one thing I've never experienced in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Isolating myself. Mine's Isolating like, I'm going to chit-chat with everyone. Yeah. No, no. Like, if Mine's I'm... like, I need to shut up. Yeah, I need... <laughs> if, I, if I'm struggling with something, I need to take some time for myself because it almost creates an emotional boundary for me of, like, if I'm separate from everyone else, I can recenter myself. I know how to take care of myself if I am... It's just me and I'm focused on. So I think that it also comes with the person you're talking about... Do they know themselves? Do they understand themselves? Are they typically someone who needs to isolate in order to, you know, readjust? If Emily was like, I need to isolate and not talk to anyone, I'd be like, something's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) No, what if I really did, though? No, but you you do for like a day. Okay, yeah. If if it was a week. If it was like a week. That's true. I know. And let's be honest, it was not a day. It's like uh, like three hours. It is. It's just like a little bit of time because she'll say that. She's like, I need some time to myself and it'll last just like a little bit of time. And then I'll be like, look at this thing I found on Etsy. (laughs) Yes. It's exactly what happens. So so that's that's I think I think something to consider, too, is like, has this happened before? Has it is it helpful for them if they isolate? How long have they been isolating for? You know, if they've 
isolated themselves in the past? Did things get worse? Did it not help? So I think there's so much to consider in terms of history, how much they take care of their mental health, how much they understand and know themselves. If it's a big shift from their personality, right? So like there's so many things to consider in that. Yeah. But I do think you can have a conversation with them. It's like, hey, I just want to reach out to you because I, I realize you're isolating. And if if that's helping you, that's great. Keep taking care of yourself. But I am here if you need me. And I'm going to reach out periodically to see how you're doing. I love that. And then you don't get to get resentful when you do it, right? Yeah. Like you have to say to yourself like, oh, well, okay, well, I've reached out to them every day for a week and they still haven't given me anything. Like once again, let's go back to the patient thing and that like real relationships are like dedication and slow in time. Trying to hold a boundary with an unwell person, which I guess means someone who's struggling, but other families undermine it. If you're the first person in your family to do something different and set a boundary, it is an incredibly inherently lonely role. Being the person in your family that changes it and goes against the grain, it doesn't matter how well you do it, how kind you do it, how gentle you do it, how blah, blah, blah you do it. It will be lonely. That's it. And so you'll have to say people are going to undermine this and still this is the right decision for me. You don't have control over what bound any boundaries that anyone in your family is creating, right? That is not something that you have control over. The only control you have is the is are the boundaries that you set with this person. And it might be the case, right? If if the goal is, well, I'm going to set this boundary. So the thing that comes to mind for me and I don't know if that's what this person's talking about if like someone in the family has an addiction, right? You've made the choice to set this boundary and not enable them. I'm not going to enable them. I'm so because I want them to get better. But other people in the family are continuing to do the same pattern. That can be really, really hard because you are doing what you can do in that relationship to not enable that or not give in that situation. But you see that the your family members are not respect are not doing that same thing. That can be really, really hard because you know that that's continuing to support this um, addiction. Well, other thing was like when people undermine it, you're also allowed to set a boundary with those people that like, yeah, I understand you're coming from a place of love and I'm not interested in talking about this anymore. I'm not I'm not mm -hmm. going to talk about this anymore with you. Mm -hmm. And you said, listen, this is where I stand. I, I recognize you don't see it the same way. But so clearly we're on opposite ends. And so we're not we are not going to come together on this. And I'm going to continue to let you know this is where I stand. And I will continue to set my boundary both with this person and with your family. Yeah. Somebody said his anxiety is something that can be passed down. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Sorry. Um, yes. Very anxiety, much so. Depression, eating disorders, all, all can. Addiction. Yeah, can take all of it. Sorry. What a lovely gift that we get from our parents. <laughs> what a beautiful. The gift that truly keeps on the giving. The gift that keeps on giving. And not only will you get that gift, you will also <laughs> pass it on down to your children. And so you give them ways to cope. We try our best and we know that inevitably we are on a big floating walk and not that much actually does matter. And we figure out a way. A floating what? Rock. It's like oh, what rock. that's like what the earth is, yeah. right? Are we said, floating? I thought you said walk like um <laughs> thing you cooking. I probably did say walk. Walk? Rock? Every time I, I went am. to a lot of speech therapy and now I talk for a living and it's uh, weird. It's it's beautiful though. And every time um my husband makes 
stir fry in our walk. He plays the song Walk It Out. <laughs> That's actually a really cute family tradition. It's really cute. You know what's funny is like I was thinking that my mom likes to point out my daughter's speech is incredible. She's just been a talker from a really young age and she's just really good at talking. And so she says, like, I couldn't say the word guitar until I was eight years old with Millie with so many hours of speech therapy. And Millie will be like, the rhinoceros will play the guitar and the like the hardest fucking words ever. And my mom was like, you couldn't do that till you were eight. I was like, yes, thank you. Thank you, mom. Thank you for reminding me of that. The good news is my uh, delayed speech was not passed on to my daughter. Right. And and look how much you're talking now. <laughs> <laughs> Not well, but she's doing it. Okay. <laughs> How to best support them while also protecting your own mental health? I like this one. I love this one. Okay. Okay. I want you to think about creating an emotional boundary around yourself, right? We always talk about you cannot take care of anyone else unless you are taking care of yourself first. You have to feel really solid with yourself. It is not your job to be this person's, I don't know who they are to you, but whoever they are, it is not your job to be their therapist. Unless someone wrote this in and they're your client, right? I mean, maybe maybe it is your job. <laughs> Go to supervision. Go to supervision. That is our answer. No, but I think so you have to be really solid and um, create safeguards around yourself when you are supporting other people um, struggling with their mental health. It's really, really your boundaries are really important and really essential. And boundaries. Let's like clarify what boundaries are. Right. So. Right. So like one of those may be leaving the situation. But also, I think what you're referring to is emotional boundaries. Right. Which is that like I'm going to try to not get triggered and regulate myself. Yes. And so, but your ability to do that really depends on how much you have been taking care of yourself, right? So like if you had a really long day at work, right? And your boss yelled at you and you talked to a lot of angry people, whatever it is, you had like a really hard day at work, you come home, your ability to hold on to yourself and regulate your own emotions is going to be much more challenging. So it might be the case that you have these conversations or you're supporting this person at a time in which you have the emotional space. That might not be all the time. You might not always be in that place where you're able to do that. And so even just recognizing or being in tune with yourself to say, do I have the emotional space right now to create this emotional boundary while I'm supporting this person? Am I able to do check in with yourself consistently over and over and over again? Because you also get to say, hey, I'm in a difficult headspace right now. I'm unable to be there for you. That is where your boundaries come in. Because you have to be able to hold on to yourself. You have to be able to ground yourself, take care of yourself in order to set those boundaries and to be able to be there for that person without mm -hmm. taking it on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love what you're talking about, right? So like one is like, how do I check in with myself and what my capacity is? So when I come home, when I enter in the house, What's my capacity today? And adjust accordingly every single time. Mm. The ability to walk away, to put yourself in a timeout or to calm down or whatever the fuck you want to call it, is incredibly important when going through this, especially if that person lives within your home. If your mom is someone who's difficult and triggering for you and you had a really bad day and you see her calling, it might be a day to not answer. Check in with yourself first and then adjust 
accordingly. That's what you have to keep saying every time. Like the idea, I just want to talk about the idea of monitoring like how you're doing. Because I think that there's a misconception that we're supposed to be like consistent with how, if we've done the work on ourselves, we're going to consistently be able to like feel the same, like feel the same or not wake up stressed or like, or, or, you know, things won't affect us. But as human beings, our emotional capacity varies from day to day. And it's going to, right? Depending on how much you're dealing with, how much you're working through, what you've done that day. And so that I think is just so important to highlight that like that varies and that changes based on like what you did that day or Mm -hmm. what you're going through, what you're dealing with emotionally, your hormones, right? Like there's so much that plays into that. And so we always say know yourself, grow yourself on this podcast. But truly, the more you know yourself, the more you you know and you can check in with yourself and say, where am I today? The more you're going to be able to set those boundaries. But you have to be in tune with yourself. We're gonna run out of time here. Wow. This could probably be a two-parter. Wow. Uh, maybe we'll do an. Ep- we'll maybe we'll do a part part two in the future. Yeah, because we have to get to dear Emma and Jen. Yes, dear Emma and Jen. I hope you can provide some insight into this or some further questions for me to consider in therapy. I'm finding that when my partner, who's usually really strong and steady, expresses himself to me, I have a hard time with it since I'm not used to seeing him struggle like ever. It feels uncomfortable in the moment and my mind kind of goes blank on what to say or like how to nurture him or even just the be there thoughts. First of all, look at this badass insight. Yes. And you go to therapy and you want questions to consider. You are like, this is lovely. We love you. First, I want to say if if your partner doesn't typically open up, right, if they're always the strong one, the fact that they are opening up and they are starting to like express themselves to you first means that like they feel they're feeling a, a level of safety with you already. If they're typically holding themselves together or they're not expressing themselves, then it might be the case that they aren't used to letting that out or they aren't used to, you know, talking about when maybe they don't feel as steady. And so Clearly, there's a safety in your relationship that's giving them the space to be able to talk about what they're going through. But it sounds to me like when they start to do that, your anxiety starts to come up. So something I would bring in therapy is like, what is that bringing up for you? Is it I'm putting pressure on myself to say the right thing or I want to be able to fully be there for them or make sure that this feels safe for them so that they continue to open up, right? So it sounds like instead of being able to be in the moment with them, be present with them, you might be going right into your anxiety. So I wonder what's coming up for you, what anxiety is coming, what's the fear, what's the worry about what's going to happen in those moments. The more you can understand that for yourself, the more you can go into, okay, I realize this is coming up for me. How do I ground myself, bring myself back down into the present moment so I actually can fully be there for them? There might not be a perfect thing to say. I also would be like, um, what's it like to ask this person what he needs, right? She said, like, I don't know how to nurture him. Okay, I'll ask him. Do you want me to, in times when this happens, do you want me to rub your back? Do you want me to just sit next to you? Do you want me to listen? Do you want me to get you a pillow to punch, right? Like, what are these things that would work? And then you have some direction. The reality is, is that as a society, we are so uncomfortable specifically with, with emotions, but also male emotions. That like, we, right, like, I wonder if um, they feel the same way if like a female does this. 
has this, right? How uncomfortable you are. And I've heard this in the room so many times, like, especially when a male starts crying for their, for like, if it's a female partner to be like, oh, I like don't even know what to do for them. What would you do to a friend? In that moment, that's your friend. Good relationships are built on friendship. How do we nurture friends? How do we forgive friends? How do we talk to friends? And so in that, I want you to put yourself there. If this was my dear, dear friend, how would I handle it? And that's it for today's episode. That's it for today. That's it. Um, We love you and thank you and uh, love when you listen to Shrink Chicks. Uh, We hope you enjoy this episode and send it to someone else who might enjoy it as well. We always love a five-star rating and a review um, on anywhere you get your podcast. You would follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you're looking for a clinician, we would love to hook you up with one of our amazing clinicians. If you are located in Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, Delaware, Florida, California, in person and virtual, in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia, we have a brand new Rittenhouse location. It's opened up. We have immediate available availability for some of the days, but also we have immediate availability for any low fee couples and family therapy. We have an amazing group of interns that are looking to uh, continue their education and hours. So reach on out to us. We'd love to get you set up with a good fit. You can check us out at thetherapygroup.com. Follow us at Shrink Chicks and at The Therapy Group. And don't forget that to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much. Hey!